0: Welcome to the Sports Gloss with Justin and Jamal. Friday, July 21st. Welcome to the Sports Gloss with Justin and Jamal. I'm Jamal Cox, flying solo again this week. You'll hear from Justin a little later in the podcast as he and I talk about some NBA. But until then... It's going to give you some of my musings from the past week of uh, life here for me here in Richmond, Virginia and some of the things I've experienced and observed. So uh, thanks for being with us as always. I've traded city life for country life. I was at a lovely place in Church Hill, downtown uh, Richmond, Virginia. And now we are at my cousin's lovely uh, palatial estate out here in um, Ashland, Virginia. So really happy to be here. You might faintly hear a plane or two flying by as one is now and that's because we're close to the the hanover airport here we traded barking dogs uh at the for the (laughs) at the kennel across the street from where we were and fire engines and you know boom boom rattle rattle of the cars passing by in the city for kind of bucolic silence and the occasional plane flying overhead but life's good it's a really nice space where i had some friends over last night shout out to joe and will and uh, played some soccer in the backyard with the kids, grilled out a little bit. People at home and Victoria would say um, barbecue, but we'll just say we cookout or we, we grill here uh, in the South. So did a bit of that. Had some bison burgers and some um, vegetables and it was a lovely, lovely night. Um, didn't get bit too much either by the bugs. So it's really good being in this space. Feel really fortunate. Thank you to Cream and uh, Keisha. So happy to be here. Um, on a completely different note, I got a story to tell something that's never happened to me before in my life. In the 43 years I've been here on earth, something that, uh, never happened, come close to, but never happened until now. And that was, I was bitten by a dog. I'm going to tell you this story. You know, a lot of people, Oh, Jamal, you going home, going to the South, man, things are crazy in the States. Worried about gun violence, like racism, the political situation, women have no control of their bodies, all this stuff. You know what my true fear is? Dogs. I'm not worried about getting shot. I'm worried about dogs. And it finally got me. It bit me. Whatever you want to say, insert your pun here. Jokes aside, all of those other things politically, yes, I'm aware of those are intense, but I'm going to tell you about this dog bite story. So, out Saturday night, me, Julia, Joe, and Will. We just went out to Emerald Lounge um, here in Church Hill, kind of cocktail bar, kind of tiki vibes and enjoying some lovely drinks on the patio. Had some drinks afterwards, kind of split up to go different directions and we're going to rendezvous back together. Me and Will are walking and we're just on this narrow uh, street here, narrow sidewalk, um, not far from where we just had some drinks. And there's some owners passing by, two dogs, I should say, two dog owners. And as I ought to do, I just said hello to the owner. And next thing I know, this corgi leaps at me before I could do anything and bites me right above my knee and draws blood. And I just froze. Didn't know what to do. Never had dealt with that kind of situation before. And the dog owner immediately pulls on the the leash, pulls the dog back vehemently apologetic to his credit and was just in shock from what I recall in his face. It was about dusk, uh, so everything was a bit dark too, so it all happened r- really quickly. The dog snarling at me, baring its teeth. I'm like, bitch, you already got me. You don't have to show me those teeth again, but uh, <laughs> what to do? What do you do in that situation? I just froze, as I said, and he was profusely apologetic and was you know it was it was it was almost like being in a car accident I've been in a couple of car accidents and it all happens and the wave of shock and uh, adrenaline washes over you and and sometimes you forget the logical path towards what needs to happen next and that kind of happened for me also it had two two drinks (laughs) I'll admit so it was all happening So we left the the scene of the crime and just walked back to my buddy's house for a second, cleaned up the wound, put on a Band-Aid, and then met up with our our lovely wives and explained the story, took some photos. First thing, Julia asked me, did you you get his information? Once again, thinking about it like a car, which is totally appropriate. Um, I should have asked for like vaccine. I should have asked for, yeah, vaccination information. I should have asked for phone number (laughs) all kinds of things but I wasn't in my right mind in shock with with everything that was happening so it was sore cleaned it up everything was fine went to bed um and just a little bit of pain and and just was fine woke up the next morning bleeding had stopped and everything like that but I was just taking a look at it and then of course I go down this wormhole um where I'm on the internet trying to be uh Dr. Jamal um, WebMD. And I'm like, oh shit, am I going to die of rabies? Is this, am I going to lose my leg? Like what's going on here? Like what, what level dog bite is this? I was like sitting there trying to diagnose and, and identify. It's like, oh, this is, it looks like a, like like a level three. Got to watch it. There's no progression of these various symptoms that would entail me going to a doctor. Oh my God, I have to go to the doctor in the U S what about the money? So I'm going through all of this stuff. And I get through it. It's fine. I'm fine. I played some tennis this week. The leg's fine. I got a scar I won't forget. And uh, a story I won't forget either. Um, I will say, it being a corgi, I feel like the queen sent a hit on me. I feel like Queen of England, from wherever she is now, and she knows I'm an anti-colonialist, she sent a racist, colonialist, dog after me to just keep me keep me in line and and bite me so that's what I'm I'm telling myself (laughs) no ill will to the dog of the owner the dog was probably just a bit scared and skittish and the owner was as I said really apologetic but in the end it was a hit and run and and I made it out so (laughs) on a lighter note I'll tell you some other uh, stories and tales and musings of of things that have been going on for me so um, I got out played some tennis with my boy Jazzy Jeff Reynolds uh, earlier this week. We were out at randolph Making College. It was really nice setup, really good facilities. And the point that I wanna get to is that here in Virginia, we're no you know, Southerners. We're used to segregation <laughs> in so many ways, if you will. Um, and that metaphor and joke goes through to pickleball and tennis. They've done a really great job of kind of delineating, here are the spaces to play pickleball here are the spaces to play tennis. The two should not, not intertwine if not necessary. And it's great because, you know, you have this etiquette and this space that is curated for tennis and these tennis courts around town and in the region versus the pickleball folks have their own space. There's a great debate raging on in Victoria about pickleball. There's people writing letters to the paper. There's subreddits about it. But there we're trying to figure it out there as it's growing and burgeoning at a rapid rate and there's this battle for space as there is for any aspect of life in victoria it seems like you know we're, we're fighting for space um every day so here where we have ample space it's really cool to see that there has been that um thought and as they build specific pickleball situations and um I should say specific uh, facilities for pickleballs. It keeps the tennis community in a good state and keeps the pickleball community in a good state. Pickleball is loud, jovial, frenetic, social. Tennis can be those things, but typically it's more subdued. uh, It's more cerebral, quieter. There's more etiquette. So I'm really cool to see these two lovely sports uh, existing in their own ecosystems here. And that's something I took away. I've been watching a lot of TV as well. And there's a couple, three shows I just want to briefly hit. I finished that quarterback show I'm going to talk a little bit more about later, but that was a really cool show. If you haven't watched it on Netflix, check out quarterback. I was over the moon. It was great to see how everything played out. You knew the stories, but to have them follow those three players, Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes, and Marcus Mariota, have them being followed. The entire year and showing the ins and outs the things you don't see behind the scenes the work they put in their family lives the stress all of that oh i love sports documentary and this was a great one make sure you go see that if you have the ability to on netflix um, another show is survival of the thickest this is also on netflix i don't expect a lot of people to hear have heard about it because it's not a really strong campaigns kind of this niche indie like black comedy but um it's really good uh michelle buteau it's her apex mountain it's basically her big beautiful black woman telling her story tony bell's in the show another comedian he shows this kind of evolution of going from like this urban fuck boy to like a legit adult boyfriend and it's really cool captures late 30s early 40s you know midlife crisis zeitgeist urban new york city vibes um it's beautifully done there's some great lgbtq plus stories in there there's some some really cool stuff they take they a lot of the boxes and tackle a lot of different issues in the black community and i think in just generally like the like i said the zeitgeist things that are happening now but they do it without the heavy handedness and keep the humor. And it's really, really great. I hope it gets a, a second season. Lovely watch survival, of the thickest. And the other show I want to talk about the show that has the belt championship belt for best show on TV. In my opinion, hasn't hit in Canada. I don't believe yet, or maybe it's here that this weekend. So I'm, I'm coming to you from the future Canadians, but um, because we don't have Hulu in Canada we don't have access to the bear but I think it's gonna be season two of the bear is gonna be uh, available very soon if not already in Canada so I'm catching up as all of my my peers and friends have seen it here but man this show is so fucking good this is amazing it's just really well done it's what tv should be it has the intensity the humor the pain suffering all of this stuff uh talking about you know just the life of a cook in this season and they're Trying to open a restaurant, trying to pivot from a sandwich shop to a fine dining elite establishment in Chicago. Every time I watch this show, I wear my Chicago Forever shirt, like a fucking fan, like a football fan or something, just because I'm so entrenched in what's happening in this show. Uh, a few highlights without spoilers. um, episode four when Marcus goes to to stage in Copenhagen that is such a gentle wonderful episode and getting a capsule into that character's life is so amazing and then episode six the frenetic cameo laden Christmas dinner with a toxic uh, dysfunctional family is wow just (laughs) the brazzatos that's great Um, it's one of these shows that I feel fully immersed in what I'm watching. I ditch my phone. I try to stay off of it, and it's the equivalent of listening to a really great album with headphones in the dark. Like you just have to really just steep in. There's there's an episode. There's a a, a credo of every second counts, and I think with this show, every second counts, and you have to really really invest and watch but it's there's so many gems there with this show one other thing of tv watching in the u.s that's really interesting to me and something that i don't get at home and i just wanted to call out is all of these ads for prescription drugs we get a few for simphic and things like that in, in canada but it's abundant here man just like drugs i've never heard of just making up like ailments and the side effects are just the worst freaking side effects ever, <laughs> but it's like prescription drugs and cleaning supplies just inundated with as far as the ads that I'm seeing. And it's really interesting just to see the dichotomy between the two countries and like the, the prevalence of the prescription drug ads, extra doctor, just go ask your doctor. You probably have a doctor cause you're in the U S as opposed to being in BC, but just ask your doctor about, Oh, blah, blah, blah. And side effects may cause implosion of your soul. So those are a few notes from my TV watching. Um, A few other quick hitters here. It's really cool being in this space. Um, Been here for about two weeks now. And just the diversity that I'm experiencing kind of in contrast to the homogeneity and monoculture that exists at home in Victoria called Spade a Spade there. You know, Victoria is dominance of white culture, uh, dominance of affluence. Um, In my kind of world in Victoria, I don't have a lot of interactions that are, yeah, just with people across cultures, and it's kind of a a lot of similar viewpoints. So just the mosaic of interactions that I have here with people of various cultural backgrounds, various social economic situations has been really great. Everyone says hello, as I always talk about and joke about. But at the same time, you're just seeing like a, a wider breadth of, of life. So it's something that's, you know, made me step back and take note about that. So it's something I've been aware of, but then just wanted to call it out as well. Just has been an overall sense of calm for me. I realized I needed to, to get out of Victoria for a bit. So this has come at the right time. <clears throat> Excuse me, come at the right time in my life. With Victoria, there's like all the construction happening all the aggro as I said this kind of fight for physical space and headspace right now I feel so with this um, being out in the country right now I've just had some time to kind of reflect and had some time away to get through that and have some sense of calm and a slower pace to life yes, we're in the car far more than we are in Victoria and the kids are like impatient with that and I totally get it because it feels like you have to drive 20 to 40 minutes to get everywhere here and people drive like maniacs as I outlined in the previous episode and everybody's always on their phone when they're in the car, which is ridiculous. But anyway, um, I think the combination of Southern gentility and hospitality and like the fact that it's very hot and humid and there's a languid pace to life here is something that's a nice little reset for me um, tonight and this weekend now I'm officially on vacation for the rest of my vacation I'm no longer working until I get back to Victoria so I'm gonna go meet up with some friends for lunch and some other friends for for dinner and and let the parade of reunions uh, kind of wash over me and, and I'm really looking forward to that and and really really fortunate to be able to have friends that I've had for so long that are still in my life that I can catch up with uh, once a year or more and it feels like we haven't missed a beat. Let's take a break. Welcome back to the Sports Gloss. Justin Jamal, want to do a breakdown of what happened the final weekend of Wimbledon? When we last talked, it was uh, just before the the championship weekend, and, and man, what a championship weekend it was! So excited to talk about this. Our guy, Carlitos Acaraz, Carlos Acaraz, he takes down Djokovic in an epic five-set match, probably the match of the year thus far. <laughs> this thing had everything, like. Um, Watching the match live, and Carlos goes down six-one in the first set, and it was a big "uh-oh" moment. Like, man, Djokovic's gonna cruise to his twenty-fourth here. This is let's see what happens. His second set's pivotal. Alcaraz wins the second set in a tiebreak, and it's on. I, I looked over at Julian and I was like, "We're best out of three now. Anything can happen." And you could just see Alcaraz growing in confidence throughout the match, trusting himself to be twenty years old and playing, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it, and not get. Um, not get shocked basically not to go into a mental state of you know meltdown when you're facing a guy who's like one of the all-time closers when it comes to to winning championships and and going into lockdown mode when he's up a set or two it was great carlos battles back there was i won't get into all the details you've probably already heard it since we're a week removed but there was a 23 point game um that was excuse me I think it was a 32 point game it had like 13 or 14 deuces that was crazy like I just couldn't I, I just couldn't believe what I was watching I, I felt like it was video game tennis it was amazing and just the resiliency as I said that Alcaraz showed throughout Djokovic too he he was down two sets to one pushes it to a fifth texting with Isaac I was just like you know what I think Joker's got this now I was like it's either Alcaraz in four or Djokovic in five and Alcaraz gets that break early on in the fifth set and and didn't look back and man it was it was glorious I felt for Djokovic he was very very gracious in defeat on the presser the the interview on court after the match but you could tell he was he was feeling he was feeling it like this is probably one of the more difficult defeats you're looking at the year for him and you're thinking he wins wimbledon then we're on to the u.s open and he's got a shot at the calendar grand slam which is an amazing feat um, that's really unparalleled so now he's got to regroup and go back and you wonder what's his legacy is he gonna get the 24th uh, grand slam championship or victory at the u.s open here coming up and um, you know in september or is everything different now forever (laughs) Alcaraz he's back to number one you know is he gonna finish out the year he won the U.S. Open last year is he gonna hold that title uh, repeat let's see if he can do that let's see if he can build on it he's 20 now has Wimbledon in his pocket has the U.S. Open in his pocket we always thought he was gonna be the heir apparent to to Rafa Nadal and be the guy to win the french multiple times he hasn't done it yet but i think that's next and i think he can win the australian so can carlos win the calendar slam in one of these these years to come so lots of questions there is this carlos's ceiling no it isn't sky's the limit for this kid he's only going to get better when he learns how to really take care of his body when he, if he stays healthy, he's got the right people around him, if he keeps, he's going to keep getting pushed because he has this older generation of players on their way out, like Djokovic, and then, as well, his peers, there's so many good players, uh, Center, Rude, Runa, you know, and then the guys that are slightly older that feel super old, but they're in their mid-20s, like uh, Zverev, Medvedev, Sitsipas, uh, aka Sissy Pants, and you know Tiafo Fritz all of these guys there's a lot of guys that are going to push him so i'm i'm curious to see what the future holds it's bright for for men's tennis women's tennis also a bright future women's tennis you see a lot of these types of things that went down last week where we see periods where there is um, maybe a lapse at like the top and then there's this kind of one off kind of winners that come in and, and that was uh the Czech's Marketa Vondrosova she beat Ons Jabor thought Jabor was gonna win Vondrosova wins Comes the first unseated woman to win Wimbledon so that's amazing just to see the talented lefty with the the cool tattoos come through and get the win ons it's the second heartbreak for her she lost in the final of Wimbledon last year she lo- loses in the final this year she was in tears on the court afterwards it's tough but you know I think she's gonna get hers I think she's gonna win one uh, for herself for Tunisia for African women so just uh, let's just see what happens gonna pivot here and do some quick hits across a few different sports so women's World Cup has started my cousin's there right now um, in Australia New Zealand really excited about that but um, the tournament's begun, but prior to the tournament, Nike ran a really cool ad for the Women's World Cup. If you haven't seen it, please seek it out and watch it. It is one of the better ads, better commercials I've seen. It's so cool, man. It's It just kind of goes back to the history of Brandy Chastain making that uh, PK to win the Women's World Cup uh, back in, in LA, back in the day, and then kind of zooms through and and features all of these women that are going to make a a major impact on the tournament and just kind of gave you a quick glimpse of the talent that's on hand and it was really well done and really fun so um, if you haven't seen that check that out my picks uh my uneducated kind of picks or teams to watch gotta say usa um, Canada as well. They drew to Nigeria last night, nil nil to start the tournament. So, not maybe the the start you wanted. Obviously, you want to have a little bit more momentum or three points out of there, but we'll see what happens with the, the Canadians. England's going to be strong. France is going to be strong. Germany's going to be strong. Um, Brazil kind of in the mix, maybe. But like I said, I don't know a ton, but those are traditional powerhouses that are on my radar that I think could have some joy um, down under. So uh, other things that happened, we're talking about Nike. They also dropped Hockey Canada permanently uh, amidst all of the um, allegations and things going on um, with like sexual assaults and like payoffs and stuff like that. So that is really interesting. Um, even as a non, you know, kind of person who's situated in the hockey universe, it's they're done. Like Nike, Nike's pulling out sponsorship, pulling out money so i'm really curious to see what happens with hockey canada if this is the the nadir like if this is as low as it goes or if we're going to hear about more dirt and there's going to be even more darkness before the new dawn so we'll see what happens uh in football our guy hopkins he's gone the titans we were kind of trying to figure it out like who you know lots of teams need a, a vet savvy elite receiver You know, and he went to the Titans and got that bag of money. So, kind of odd. Tannehill and Levis are your quarterbacks there. And Leighton Kurt, his career, he's like 31 ish. I thought maybe he was going to try to angle, take some more, less money, go to the Buffalo Bills, see what they can get done there. But nah, he says, I'm good. Give me this bag. So, (laughs) that, uh, that domino has fallen as far as that kind of free agency with the uh, NFL and, and here we are getting closer to the NFL season so we're going to talk more about that for sure to come um on the sports class last thing I want to hit in these quick hits here is James Harden <laughs> James Harden as fickle as they come now he wants to be an LA clipper he wants out of Philly he signs he he got the bag of money 30 whatever six mil or whatever for the year And Daryl Morey obviously wants a good return on his investment. So he's looking for um, a good trade to come the other way. So I'm just something I'm kind of watching from afar to see where Harden ends up. I honestly don't think he's going to have, I don't think Philly wins with him. I don't think the Clippers win with them, but it's just interesting fodder as we move into the, the off season of the NBA. So something to watch there. (laughs) player empowerment area let's go let's take a break welcome back i want to do a little q a with j and j or just q a with j this week So Q&A with Jay and a sponsor this week, Q&A with Jay brought to you by smartphone cases, smartphone cases. We all should use them. I think we all do use them on our phones. But why is it that when I'm watching movies and television, people out here with naked phones, just raw dogging it, just you drop that iPhone 13 and you're going to scratch it up bad just so you can look glossy and flossy, cover it up. Protect yourself. Put a phone cover on your smartphone. So Q&A with Jay this week. I've been talking, raving about the quarterback show on Netflix, and it got me thinking, are they going to do future seasons? So my question I pose to you, faithful, lovely listeners, which three quarterbacks would you want to follow into next year? Which three would you want to follow next year? So for me, it's kind of been distilled down to this this formula of kind of a peak-level quarterback, top tier with Mahomes, a middling guy with Kirk Cousins, and kind of as a journeyman um, with Marcus Mariota. So if you wanted to follow that same formula, that's kind of the criteria I'm looking at. And before I get into my answer, I wanted to say as well, it's worth note that this year Hard Knocks is going to be following the Jets. So Rodgers is out of the equation for me because it would be really interesting to go behind the scenes and see what Aaron Rodgers' life is like on the day-to-day. That being said, we're inundated with so much Rodgers that I'm sure we're going to get our fill. We'll get the taste of Hard Knocks. I don't know if he's going to do Pat McAfee this year. That'll be interesting. He's going to be in New York, so we're going to be, there's going to be so much tabloid tabloid fodder with him. Um, as well, I'm really interested to see his relationship with the, with Zach Wilson and what Zach Wilson is like, because I'm not really a fan, but I'm curious about what he's about. So that's going to be a cool watch here in a few weeks uh, when we start to get the the hard knocks going. And yeah, so back to my question, for me those three quarterbacks i'm gonna cheat this a little and i'm gonna put that tier one quarterback because i'd want to either see burrow joe burrow or mr allen from uh, the buffalo bills so here are my angles there burrow and allen have both been close to winning it all and they're gonna go far this year i expect both of those teams to be in the mix uh, in the afc really i feel it's it's Typically a three horse race in the AFC with those two in Kansas City. So we already did Mahomes. I feel like I would like to see the other side of the ball, so to speak. They've had some amazing battles with Mahomes in Kansas City over the last few years. So I would just love to re-up on one of those. Allen is a is an athletic freak. Josh Allen is crazy. Like just he's six five ish and he moves like like a, a six foot guy but he also will bowl you over and run you over and just some of the throws he makes his arm strength um really really fun to watch Joe Burrow is just so swaggy with his sartorial choices with his confidence and his pressers all this stuff kind of at a early state of his career I know he's an older quarterback for his class um just due to his transfers and and things like that but he is just really captivating for me his resilience um as i mentioned just that like elite level irrational confidence that he has that you kind of love like a head heart and balls you know and um both guys are going to be MVP contenders who are consistently going to put up numbers throughout the course of their career so I think it'd be really cool to see both of these guys early-ish you know mid early in their career they haven't peaked yet the ceiling is really high for both of these guys I'd rather see Burrow than Allen if I had to you know make the choice but either one of those guys would be awesome for me so for that next aspect that middling quarterback Gino give me Geno Smith I'm not I'm not a 12, not really a Seattle fan, kind of by proxy, just geographically where I reside. And just all the Russell Wilson years being someone from Richmond as well and having him there, that was something that, you know, I was a bit interested in. But Gino kind of being this journeyman, middle of the pack guy, having the best year of his career last year, getting the bag of money, re upped. Uh, the expectations for Seattle are higher. You know, Arizona's gonna have a terrible season San Francisco's trying to sort out their quarterback situation, the Rams are re- retooling, so it's a chance for Seattle to, to reestablish their dominance in that division and ascend back to the top Gino at the helm seems like an interesting guy you know, seems classy, he's waited. he's been poised, been patient I'm really curious what his, his life's like he's been doubted so much and he's overcome so much all those years of backing up Russell Wilson, and now he's the guy. You'll see a little bit of Pete Carroll in there. He's got DK Metcalf. Uh, he's got Tyler Lockett. Now he's got uh, JSN, Jackson Smith, uh, and Jigba. He's got running back talent uh, with a guy I can't think of his name right now from Michigan State. But uh, yeah, so really fun offense, fun environment. I would love to see what Geno's situation is like. My last guy here kind of a journeyman kind of a middling guy too but it's jimmy g jimmy garoppolo he's in vegas now he's in new england backing up one of the best ever do it he won the super bowl you know as a backup there and then goes to san francisco he's the guy he's minutes away from from winning a super bowl against uh patrick mahomes in kansas city no, it was not to be he's battled some injuries trey uh trey area <laughs> trey lance gets drafted as the uh, the replacement for him, and he's kind of an afterthought, and he still continues to win. He still gets it done. He's gritty, but he's had so many injuries. You know, Brock Purdy emerges too, so he gets, he gets pushed out of San Francisco, and now he's in Vegas. That's a uh, a franchise with a lot of expectations. Always are a lot of expectations in in um, the Raiders organization. But the reality is, they're kind of rebuilding and they may be in arguably the toughest division in all of football. So you're looking at twice a year, you get Mahomes and KC, you get Russell Wilson and Denver, and then you get my guy Justin Herbert and, and the Chargers. So that's six brutal games annually. And you got to try to get out of that division and then compete with the rest of the AFC. And I would say that the AFC is actually stronger than the NFC. So let's see what Jimmy can do there. Um, This is a second, third chance for him to defy the haters, defy the odds. Can he stay healthy? Can can he do it? Um, He's such a handsome lad. (laughs) And um, I'm sure his life in Vegas would be really fun to watch um, as well. I think he's single, so do with that what you may and then um also a question I have about the him is is he a system quarterback like he's always had really good talent and a system and good coaches around him or is he a legit number one guy that can get it done here in Vegas Josh McDaniels obviously loves him because of the ties from uh, New England um he's got Jacobs in the backfield he's got Devontae Adams still elite level wide receiver there um it's going to be a really intriguing system, uh, season for him and everybody loves a comeback story. He's been through an abundance of adversity and let's see how he's going to deal with the rest of it. So those are my picks for that, for the Q and a with Jay really curious, uh, hit us up on Instagram or just send us some DMS. If uh, you have some thoughts on that, would love to hear what you're thinking on that one. Um, we're going to take a break and come back with me and Justin talking a little bit of NBA. back on the sports gloss and we're talking about the nba as we love to do jk i got some either or some start bench cut some fun games to play the nba for you let's have it okay who would you have leading your team in the next few years darren fox jalen brunson
1: darren fox he played so well, you know. I was riding with the Sacto Kings early in the playoffs. I'm taking De'Aaron Fox. I like his speed. I like the way he shoots it. Really athletic player. I'm going De'Aaron Fox. You two, Dalen Brunson, Rick Brunson's kid.
0: Love a lefty. Both are lefties. They're great. Brunson has that old man YMCA game. It's fun, interesting. He gets also like done. a self-made
1: player. Like yeah. came in grit. Yeah, like not much acclaim and built himself into a really, really quality nba or with a big deal.
0: Villanova guy, got it done. I feel...
1: Who you picking, De'Aaron Fox? I feel Fox. Ha! The
0: floaters that he was hitting against the Warriors, the Played speed really that well. he plays with, this the dominance that he showed, Fox. Agreed. Next one, your guy, SGA, mm-hmm. Shea Gilgis Alexander, or as Nico says, the guy with the long name,
1: or John Morant. I'm going silky so Shea on this. John Morant more athletic and reckless on the court, maybe reckless off it? Question mark. No, <laughs> seems that way. No Aspersion's Aspersion's cast, but maybe a little bit reckless off the court. I'm going to take SGA, a little more solid Canadian, but smooth like butter. Love his game. Love the way he plays. Went to Kentucky. Every year he's improving. Chet Holgren comes back. Mm. Uh, Oklahoma City has all these draft picks stockpiled, like, you know, a crazy amount. And to me, Shea is the linchpin of that. I understand John Morant's a great player, an incredible player. But in this moment, lots going on John. I'm going to take Shea it just alexander
0: <laughs> that's a great point it's like on and off court you're building this franchise around a certain player right so i'm gonna go shay as well mm-hmm. speaking of off the court questionable choices with his fits he's no grady dick but he's making some, some he's more. out there he likes ripped jeans he a does. lot <laughs> so that's a thing but grady
1: dick we talked grady dick's red jacket in the last app. It was an homage to um, his Kansas root. Dorothy. Dorothy, his Kansas roots, yeah. We're. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave that there. You know what? Grady Dick is going to come out and be the rookie of
0: the year, like over Yama, and we're all just going to have to eat Dick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can we laugh? (laughs) I think we are. Like they do in England. (laughs) Like
0: they do in England. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm with you. Shea Alexander is my guy there. You're a guy. You've dubbed him so. It's sweeping the nation. It's not Michael Porter Jr. It's Michael Porter Shooter Shooter. or R.J. Barrett,
1: fellow Canadian. Oh, good question. Hmm. They're both gunners. Mm Mm-hmm. So, at the risk of sounding like a nationalist coming in a Canada Day... Oh, Canada. Michael Porter Shooter is blind to his teammates and gameplay. He's blind. (laughs) He's blind to it all. He's singularly focused. He blinded me with jumpers. He's blinded by the light. He has no interest in anyone else. He gets the rock. He's shooting it. He's... You know, he's the second coming of Carmelo Anthony and that that black wholeness that he had. (laughs) The ball goes in and the ball... I'm taking RJ Barrett. Again, the Canadian, but... Yeah, Michael Porter-Shooter is a good player. He can obviously make shots at times, at times, but but Michael Porter-Shooter has no interest in anyone else and not even a little bit. Yeah. I'm going with RJ.
0: RJ's on the ascendancy. Meanwhile... At any moment, any day,
1: Michael Porter shooter
0: Unbeknownst to anyone. Could call someone and say, Dr. Sadie, the me." Cause that back is not reliable. He's had some injuries. He's 6'10, almost seven foot. You know, sometimes players of that height have a lot of issues. Is he almost seven feet? hmm 6'10, yeah. Wow. So and like you said, just the like, on-court IQ is questionable, whereas I feel like RJ, definitely in a better position. We can talk about this more next week or in the future. There's a possibility as well. RJ is a lefty. We love a lefty. I always talk about lefties. Might be taking on another lefty, James Harden. We'll talk about that more if it actually happens, but that's just a rumor. So we'll see what happens there. So starting a franchise tomorrow, JK. Giannis, Mm -hmm. Greek freak, my favorite guy, love him, great personality, great off the court, great on the court, needs to develop a jumper, takes 11 seconds at the free throw line, or Jason Tatum.
1: To me, that's an easy one. I'm taking the Greek freak.
0: Yeah? Even though he can't shoot jumpers?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's unstoppable. Physically, he's unstoppable.
0: Do you think there's another level to his game?
1: Yes. Yeah, he'll continue to become a better shooter. But he's already a pretty good shooter and he's much improved from from what he was when he first entered. It's That's, that's not even close to me.
0: I'm going to extrapolate this. What does late stage Giannis look like when the, the physical gifts mm-hmm. start to wear away and yep. erode a bit? Yep. What is 32-year-old Giannis? Is this like... Is he gonna get to LeBron level? I mean, that's. No, I mean is, No. But is he gonna be a
1: jump shooter? Is he good, gonna? Good question. I think still dominant I think defense. I, I think he'll play for a long time, barring injury, and I think he'll probably be a pretty, a pretty quality. When his athleticism erodes, I think he'll be a pretty quality player. I think at that point, he'll have he'll have a mid range game. He'll have figured out some moves. I, yeah, I've I have no I have no problem with Giannis now, the physical freak that he is, and I think late in his later stages, he'll still be an effective player.
0: No disrespect to Jason Tatum, but I gotta stick with Giannis and then Google the vocal. Mm-hmm. I gotta say with Giannis. <laughs> Jokes aside, um, Tatum is great. He's gonna be elite, future Hall of Famer perhaps. Brassy. and. I think he's 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 got another level. Oh, man, Tatum? Two. Uh-oh. Sorry. Here we go. Sorry. No. I, I want to hear it.
1: Just as a little bit of recency bias, but Tatum in the Celtics run in the playoffs, he played really well at times and and I hope this doesn't ruffle the feathers of your some of your friends who are Celtics honks. But there's he had moments of brilliance and then other other games in their run he was MIA. He, yeah. he was MIA. I think he's a young guy and he's going to develop into that role and and get more comfortable in the playoffs. I mean, I was I was we had the conversation around sort of who would you rather ride with, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, and I stated my allegiance to to Jalen Brown, and he didn't play really that well either. They sort of took turn took turns with good games and bad games. With, yeah, you know, going going through the the playoff run with the Celt so.
0: Let the record state: I, 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 I'm with Tatum on that argument. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think there's another level to his game. Sure. He sh- he showed last year, not this most recent year, but the previous year when they got to the finals against the the Warriors. He has that D, the defensive uh, element, where he was doing, <laughs> he was doing a lot to propel Boston to the finals. Yeah. I think he kind of ran out of gas. And I'm wondering if he can find that next that next little bit. But I think it's there. I think this is not his ceiling, whereas I feel that Jalen Brown's his ceiling. I don't think it's Giannis' ceiling. And if I had to, I'd probably say Giannis, too, reluctantly. It's a, it's a push for me, but I'd say Giannis if I had to. But Tatum, much respect. Is it a push or is it Giannis? Giannis. I'm hearing two things. i go with Giannis. Okay. Okay. I want to play another game really quickly. Start, bench cut not f Mary kill <laughs> right for those who are so inclined but start bench cut him aka austin reeves <laughs> bucket okay. hat jibby aka tyler hero or i cost too much jordan pool
1: start bench cut who you got Hmm. well done good question i'm gonna start this is tough this is tough it is this is tough i am going to i'm gonna cut jordan Poole, even though he went to michigan i'm gonna <laughs> cut jordan pool i'm gonna bench oh man i don't have a great answer to this this is a tough question yep
0: I have my answer, but I'll let you, I, I want I like lucky like, Strug- suffer. Struggling. Struggling.
1: What's your answer? Give me yours while I ponder.
0: <laughs> You're going to love this. Start Reeves.
1: Okay. Bench. Pool. Okay. Cut Hero. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker.
0: <laughs> Pool, I feel like, goes to Washington I think there's something left in the tank there. He had a a a, a nightmare postseason, but I think there's something there. Hero, I don't know, maybe he's twenty two or whatever he is, but he maybe he maxed out. I know this is a bit of a reach to say this. And also I'm saying like Reeves, this late bloomer, is the guy I would start. But goddammit if he didn't impress me this year.
1: Yeah, he played well. He's him. Yeah, he played well. So what do you say? Pool no Pool's just so dicey in the yeah the, their post postseason run this year that I can't can't quite figure him out. Maybe, you know, he's going to a new team, like you said, and maybe it, it lands well with him, but I don't know. Hmm. I'm not really comfortable with any of that. Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> Start, bench, cut. Drew Holiday,
0: Daris Garland of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Calare.
1: Big ass Kyle Lowry, great, great base Kyle. I'm gonna I'm gonna start. You know what? I'm gonna start to champion Kyle Lowry. Woo! Now he's getting old. He's only got one more good year. I'm gonna start Kyle Lowry. I'm gonna bench Drew Holiday. I like his game though. Mm-hmm. I like his game, and I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna cut Garland with the Cleveland Cavs. I don't know. I don't watch enough Cavs basketball to get a great read on him. I agree. He's a gr- you're not
0: going... You're not <laughs> tuning in to the mistake by the lake? Like, you don't know
1: what's happened in, in Cleveland since LeBron left? I actually Fairweather buddy? I actually, I actually don't. <laughs> Remember how much Cavs? We were inundated with Cavs. Yes. nonstop stop Cavs. Jared Smith never wore a short for years. Oh, man. The Guardians? Like, LeBron really bought, brought a lot of attention to the Cavs. But, yeah, I haven't watched a Cavs game since. Why is that?
0: Why is that? (laughs) They're good, man. Mobley's solid. I went to that game in November, and I saw the Clippers play them. That's right. Mobley's solid. Mobley is solid. They've got some pieces Mitchell.
1: They've got some pieces.
0: Yeah, they've got some pieces. They can put it together. They get Mm -hmm. one more guy, I think. They could Mm -hmm. be formidable. For me, oh, it's different, friend. Go on. Start.
1: Yeah. Garland. Oh, hey now.
0: Barely. It pains me to say it. Bench, Lowry. Mm. Cut, Holiday. Mm. And that's stupid. I know that people are going to sit in here like, and say, Drew Holiday, NBA champion, and a few years ago, can D up anybody, yeah. can get a bucket when he needs to.
1: Yeah.
0: But what Cal, it's a bit of recency bias. What Cal Lowry did, and he proved to me what he did with Miami. And just the little intangible things play can't ball. go right, without. Ball. Like I feel like I want to keep that ace in. And, and how many are, How many before.
1: more years does Kyler have? Two. two. Two more good years. Two. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. I hope he does. Hope he stays healthy and has two more good years. Yeah, you know I used to hate the him. Bay Street
0: Bulldog. <laughs> I used to hate him, but I kind of root for him now. He's not Chris Paul. Doesn't. There's not that kind of hatred. on Agreed. Him. Agreed. We were talking about fellow or uh, former Raptors before, and, and now I got one more for you. Start bench cut. Derozan, Demar, if you're so inclined, OG,
1: Ananobi, and Wiggs, Andrew Wiggins. Mm, this is tough. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna break the mold of the game here, but I'm not cutting any of these three. I'm not cutting any of these three. Okay, all three of these guys are high, still high impact players. I got mine. I think, I think the Raptors are talking about trading OG. If they get some pieces back, I guess I'm okay with that. But um, DeRozan is still elite, elite. Mm-hmm. Wiggins is a secondary player with Golden State, but he played well for them last year when they won the title and this year in their playoff run.
0: Arguably the uh, the player of the finals last year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good point, I mean, so I guess in that sense, I'm benching OG, but only by default because I think the other two players are a little more offensively gifted, but OG's a good player I think he's he's a starter on NBA team went to Indiana from England
0: yep they call me the butcher because I cut people
1: how's that how's that for a non answer
0: <laughs> start the Rosen bench Wiggins cut OG sure sure and and that's all these players are elite. They're great. OG's the only one playing defense, though. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point at this point in their career as well. Yes, I always feel like I want more from OG. I always felt like he was supposed to be Pascal's, excuse me, Pascal's running mate, and I wanted more from him. And I feel like Scotty Barnes has usurped him, and I feel like OG's always left me wanting more.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So that's why I say this, but at the same time, I don't know, man. If OG ends up in like Memphis or like somewhere that a team that's on the cusp, I can see him being that guy who's like, I'm a wing that can D up three different positions. I can get a bucket occasionally and be that guy that Mm -hmm. puts a team over the edge. Mm -hmm. And that is the thing with him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like that guy's going to win you series by playing defense in the playoffs for sure on three different positions on the other team
0: i could see him in like i don't know whatever like a philly or like somewhere where he's just that little added spice that does enough to get you over the
1: edge nick nurse just pulling him along yeah that'd be interesting yeah
0: that concludes another episode of the sports gloss with justin and jamal episode 22 in the books thanks for joining us as always if you haven't done so, please follow us on Instagram at the sports Gloss. I'm efforting an interview, so fingers crossed. Uh, the next episode and the final episode from this uh, trilogy of Jamal Abroad is going to be uh, an interview, um, so we'll see if we can make that happen. Hopefully, we will. As always, survive in advance. We miss you, JK. Peace.